so your mate has great legs and he squats, right? So what do you do? You squat. Um, you've heard on the grapevine and through the rumblings of Gym World that to have a great chest, you've got a bench press. So you do. Have you ever stopped to really think about all the movements that you're doing? Have you actually chosen them or did you just fall into doing them? Have you essentially just gone in blind and hope for the best? Best of luck with that. Meet your host, Andy Naylor. Andy is a men's physique transformation expert, competitive physical champion, and a multi six-figure business owner who has helped thousands of busy, high-achieving men get into the best shape of their lives and reconnect with their inner alpha. On this show, Andy is going to share with you his playbook on feeling healthy again, avoiding the common pitfalls successful men fall into, dropping 20 to 30 pounds of fat, and building a physique you can finally be proud of. And the transformations aren't just physical either. You're going to learn how meeting your personal goals will help support your professional achievements, giving you that true alpha mentality. Let's go. My name is Andy Naylor. I am founder and CEO of Naylor Body Design and your host of the Optimal Alpha podcast. And as always, welcome along to a brand new show. So today is the second episode in our first training series. If you've not listened or watched the episode prior to this, I suggest go back. We talked about um, training splits, an overarching theme of training splits. What are they? How do they? How do we use them? How do we make, get the most ones, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you haven't listened to that, I'll go back and listen to it under 20 minutes long, as all of these generally are, and hopefully lend some uh, really useful insight into that. This builds upon the thoughts and ideas from the training split episode where we are going to delve into exercise selection. Now, I don't know you. I don't know your goals. I'm not going to be able to give you the direct answer to exactly what you should pick. But hopefully I can give you some perspective um, and some takeaways so that you could probably go and get have a really good shot of working this out for yourself or getting a damn sight closer than where you are currently. So three topics as always. So what is exercise selection? Are there good and bad movements I should be picking from? How do I actually create this and choose this all for myself? Let's delve into these. So what is exercise selection? Well, it probably is pretty self-explanatory, but it is the selection of movements we're going to do in a given day inside our given split. Okay. It's the individual movements you're going to be doing for a goal, not just because you've seen everybody else doing them and that's what you think you're supposed to be doing. And granted, this is what most of us do when we start going to the gym. We watch what other people do and we copy them. And for the most part, that's not the best thing to do because the quality of training in gyms for the most part isn't the best. It's definitely, definitely getting better as education becomes better around the world and um, educators are able to reach more people. But it's not the best way to start. You also need to consider what order are you going to do these movements in? It makes a massive difference. You essentially start with a huge menu of choices. There are so many movements to pick from that it's baffling. We could find so many intricate, different little ways of doing something that it's it can be overwhelming to know what to select to do for you. And a lot of this does come down to experience. Um, but there are 
only so many great movements and everything else is just a variation of them. So you need to know what you're picking, what you're going to be doing and why and why. That's what's important. So are there any good or bad movements? So essentially, yes and no. Um, Yes and no. There's good and bad for you. That's probably the best way that I can put it. There's good and bad for me. I mean, let me give you a, like a, a really obvious, well, simple explanation. A bad exercise for me right now would be a barbell squat. Everyone's like, well, why? Well, I have a herniated disc in my back. Um, and it's always going to be herniated. And a, a barbell squat is just putting me at a degree of risk that I'm not prepared to take just to do a squat. Now, nothing against squats. They're really good if they fit you, your body and your goal. But there is no way I'm putting myself under that particular type of load to grow my legs when there are other exercises in the menu that I could pick to do the same job and better and have my back completely theoretically in a, in a safe situation. So that's good and bad for me. Now, there'll be there'll be exercises or movements that maybe put certain parts of your body at in a vulnerable position at risk that are just going to be a really obvious no-brainer that you should not do them. It's going to be different for everybody. You also, good and bad comes down to what is your goal? What, how is your body made up? What are your limb lengths, right? What are the, where are the insertions and um, attachments of your muscles? These little things which you are not probably going to know the answer to, and that's absolutely fine, but that, it does mean technically that some movements are going to be more optimal for you than others. What equipment have you got available? If you've got a certain piece of equipment that does a certain job, but it is a shit piece of equipment, that would be a bad movement to do. To do, And we'd probably want to find something that is a little bit more appropriate. That, you know, Let's say you've got a shoulder press machine, but it just puts your shoulders through a plane of, of movement that is really bad for your shoulders. We'd probably be better off just doing a dumbbell press. We've just taken two really obvious options of a shoulder press, one, because it's a machine, maybe just technically doesn't fit you. Well, then immediately we've got another option. It's all completely individual. Um, and with that, I think, comes the confusion that, oh, my mate does this and he's got this great body part, so I must do that. Now, yeah, if you're lucky, that's going to work. But I have not seen that to be the case for the many thousands of people that we've helped i've just seen training over the you know few, couple of decades that i've been doing this you're going to have to do the due diligence and have the patience to work this stuff out for yourself so but what i will go on to say is there are in terms of movements there are definitely some movements that technically work better with everybody's body than others absolutely and this comes down to physics now, everything that we're doing is around physics, like a lot of the stuff that we are using is being forced. Its force is becoming through gravity. Every dumbbell that you pick up is only ever trying to go in one direction down to the fucking floor. That's it. That's it. It's just trying to get to the floor. That's now how that how that force exerts itself on whatever body part you're trying to train might be optimal, might not. We have things called strength curves and things called resistance profiles and things called moment arms. These are all physics based stuff. This is super geeky and probably we're going to delve into this in another episode in itself. 
Um, but what it technically means is, yeah, some movements are better than others. Some are more optimal in terms of manipulating some of the things that I've just mentioned and reducing joint forces. We are not here to train joints, as far as I'm aware, as far as I know. I don't know your particular goals, but probably not. Unless you're rehabbing a joint, that's something kind of slightly different. But if your goal is to build an optimal physique, you're here to challenge muscles. That's it. That's the goal. It's not lift weights and use machines. Granted, that's what you're going to be doing. But your job is to challenge a muscle. And some exercise, some movements definitely do that more optimal than others. So how do you choose for you? Okay, well, okay. We would always want to go, well, what's worked best before? As in, do you truly know that it's worked? Now, a lot of people might be married to a certain movement because they love it and it feels great. But has it actually built you any fucking muscle? Like, I don't know. Some people love to squat because it just feels like fucking alpha as fuck. Like I squat and I deadlift and I'm alpha as fuck. They're great, cool. But a true alpha is going to think to themselves, yeah, I'm really good at doing this, but it hasn't actually seen me fucking grow any muscle or get any results. We will all have movements that we're doing that we love to do. It feels great, but is maybe not just giving us the result. Like that is not a fucking alpha mentality to me. That is something entirely different. But what has worked before? That's a good place to start. Do any movements that you're currently doing cause pain and discomfort, as in the wrong pain and discomfort? Because if they do, fucking stop doing them. Because you cannot therefore then progress in the long term something that hurts. There are certain shoulder movements pressing style movements that I don't do because I know two days later my right shoulder is going to really fucking hurt and it's 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 it hurts to the point where there was no point doing that exercise the reward is not high enough you need to think what can you truly progress training is a progression it should be a progression so let's let's take let's say you train on your own I always I always assume people train on their own because if we can make something work with someone training on their own, then it's going to work in all situations. Let's take a bench press. Can you truly progress a bench press over time? Maybe. But there's going to come a point where you're going to get stuck under that fucking bar and wriggle around, like, desperately trying to get out from underneath it. It's going to happen. It's happened to me on more than one occasion when I used to bench press. Like, there's going to come a point where you think you can do one more rep and you're going to go for it because that's the extra rep that is the, pro the progress and you're going to get stuck under the bar. Now, God forbid it's on a decline because then you're in real trouble. At that point, you are now in trouble. So can you safely progress this thing over time on your own? A bench press is a really good example of eventually you're going to get you're going to get fucked by that exercise. Now, let's imagine it was a dumbbell press. Yeah, put, like because you could just go until you throw the dumbbells back down on the floor. You're never going to get stuck under them. Is that an injury risk? Yes. Yeah, it is. But could you do it? Yeah, you could if you were smart and were not an idiot. So can you truly progress it over time? What's the priorities in terms of body parts? So, of course, when we're thinking exercise selection, this is one of the things that comes up into my mind nearly really early on. Like, what's the goal? Like, what do I need to improve? What weight, do, not, not weight as in loading, but what weight do I need to put into certain areas? Like, do I need more movements for chest than I do back? For me, yes. But then we could also say, well, back is a bigger body part. So now we need more movements to hit all of that musculature because it's a lot, it's a peck is a peck. Your back is made up of multiple muscles. So we've got, okay, what's, what's the priority in terms of body part? Then another thing to consider here is, and this is getting, I think, to an area that I particularly like, which is 
we could do a movement that say is for back. Think of a let's think of a let's think of any kind of row, like something for your back. So let's think of any kind of like pull down movement or any row. Most people are probably doing most of these movements bilaterally. In other words, they're hanging on with both hands and pulling with both hands. Let's let's imagine a pull down, right? So we've got a bar above our head. Most people are holding onto that bar and they're pulling it down. There's nothing wrong with that. Is it optimal for full lat contraction? No, no. Because the position that we need to put our body in to fully contract the lat, and let me be clear, that is definitely part of the goal of training, to at some point make sure that you can fully contract and shorten a muscle. And in a pull down, we have the chance and the opportunity to do that. With a standard lat pull down with a wide bar, can we? Not re- Not both sides at the same time, for sure. So now uh, a consideration here would be, well, why do I not just do it one arm at the time? Now, you obviously can't hold on to the bar and do that. You would have to maybe change equipment and set yourself up slightly differently. But now we're talking about doing a different exercise. Same movement. It's still a pull down, but now it's unilaterally. It's one side at a time. Now it's far easier to focus on that one lap, that one movement, that one side. And you've got a hundred percent more chance of getting in your body into a position to fully contract that one side. Cause ultimately you've got to kind of lean to one side and bring scapula shoulder down towards your hip to shorten that distance a little bit. It will definitely help. So these are other considerations that we want to throw out there. So let me just try and give you some examples of how maybe I set up my training and this might apply to you. It might not. Um, but let me give you an example of like a leg day. And you see how simple I'll keep everything. There's nothing spectacular here, but I will always start with hamstrings on a leg day. Two reasons. One, a number of years ago, I would start with uh, leg press and I got pretty strong on leg press. But I remember a couple of times having a twinge in my left hamstring that made me crap my pants slightly because it was like if something was going to go wrong under you know 300 kilograms of weight it was going to go wrong in a massive fashion and I'm like okay so I need to I need to wake up my hamstrings before I get on this leg press I'm like, okay well I'll just do hamstrings that was, that was the first consideration so now this is now exercise selection now when it comes to okay well what hamstring movement am I going to do we've got two major options well when we're talking about a knee extension and flexion movement not at the hip right either laying hamstring curl or a seated hamstring curl. I will always opt for the seated hamstring curl. Why? So one, I feel that I get a far better full contraction in that piece of equipment. And two, given that I'd already had a slight warning from my hamstring that it wasn't happy, getting in a laying hamstring curl, which when you extend your legs out to kind of put the pad down, you're under a hell of a lot of load. And if something's going to go wrong, it's all the way out at that point. It just does not feel the same as you extend your leg up in a seated hamstring curl. They just do not feel the same. Well, they're not the same. And that's the difference between exercises. So now my exercise selection is seated hamstring curl. And the order is I'm doing them first. Because also one, two, two reasons, really. One, I'm warming up and getting blood in that hamstring. So I don't go and do something to it when I get on the leg press. But two, If I train my hamstrings flat out to failure, it doesn't seem to take anything away from my ability to then train my quads really fucking hard. 
So I can go and I will, I, I will go and do maybe three sets of a hamstring seated curl, two very close to failure, one to the absolute death. Okay, and I mean the absolute death. I'll get off that and then I'll go and do, it would either be a, a, a hat squat or a leg press for me, because like I told you, I don't squat. So I'll go off and do a leg press. And now I don't get any twinging, touch wood, I will still just do that, from my, from my hamstring. But also my hamstrings are not, nothing has been taken away from my ability to leg press and absolutely attack my quads because I've done my hamstrings first. So there's, and again, the exercise selection of the, the leg press over a squat is, well, I would choose that because one, I just think it's a far more optimal movement in terms of actually attacking quads and legs because it's only my quads and legs that are taking the weight. With a barbell squat, I'm having to support that weight the whole way through my torso. I don't think that's optimal, personally. Just isn't. Just doesn't seem optimal to me whatsoever. I'm not saying it's a bad exercise, but let's think about it. Um, the other reason is I have a herniated disc in my back. So why on earth would I put myself in a risky position? So now you've seen why I've picked two particular movements and why I've put them in that order. It's logic. It's logic. Okay. I would then go off and do other leg exercises. Now let's take, say, for example... So let's look at a back session. So for me, I would either start a back session with some sort of row or some sort of pull down. Right now, all of my rowing is both hands at the same time. Um, and it's on a bench leaning towards a cable. Now here's, so when it comes to rowing and pulling, all of 80% of the exercises I pick, I am not holding on to a fixed piece of equipment. So now here's why I'm choosing certain exercises. So let's imagine we sit on a row machine. Generally speaking, it's fixed to a degree, isn't it? You're holding on to handles that are fixed onto the machine. Now, what I found is I could get particularly strong in my back and then I would get inner elbow pain really bad. And I couldn't work. I didn't know where it came from. And eventually I worked out because it was hurting while I was doing some of these movements. It was because I was holding on so hard and driving so much energy through my elbow so I could contract my lap. that I was starting to get it's either golfers or tennis elbow, whichever way around it is, but I was getting pain on the inner side of my elbow. So I'm like, okay, I need to get around this. How can I do it? I need a more natural path for my arm to go through that's not fixed. So now I use cables so much more with, a, with, with attachments on where I can then attach D handles that have a strap. So now my wrist is completely free to move whatever through whatever plane of movement it needs to, which has completely eradicated all the pain in my elbows. So here is another reason. So exercise selection, I've picked doing a, a laying on a, a laying on an upright bench or a high incline bench, holding on to two D handles connected to a cable down at the floor in front of me, if you can picture that. And now I'm rowing. One, I'm chest supported. So my, my, my herniated disc in my back is safe. Two, I'm chest supported. So I'm not cheating. Three, I'm holding on to D handles. So I'm now not putting my elbows at risk. These are all the considerations. And if you don't take a step back, I suppose, and consider what things are happening and why. In other words, don't just in other wise, yeah, don't just go blindly into I'm just gonna do these exercises and this is it. You've got to take a step back and open up your eyes and go, why the fuck am I doing these exercises? Why have I chosen these movements? Are they working for me? Like what happens if I were to change? And, and then you'd make a change, but you do not then change something too quickly afterwards. This is the other thing that people do with their exercise selection and the order. They're changing it all of the time. Like I've been doing things the same way for so long. 
I don't get bored because if I'm getting the result, there's no way I'm ever going to get bored of that. But another message that I would really put clear here is you've got to stick to things and manipulate them methodically. There has to be a reason why there was a reason why I moved my hamstrings first. It was because I got a very clear and present warning sign that something was going to go wrong if I didn't. So I had to take action. And the smart thing was to do that. And then the next smart thing was to choose seated hamstring curl over a laying hamstring curl. That's it. I've been doing that now that way for about four years. I haven't changed it. And it's working perfectly fine. And it will be the same with upper body movements. Like you might find that you want to train your chest before your shoulders. You might want to train your shoulders before your chest. It depends which one you need to bring up most. You might, when you train your... So for example, if someone trains their shoulders first, you might then lose the ability to be stable at the shoulder joint when you come to do your chest pressing. That's a serious consideration. Because if you've now lost stability at a joint because you've just done seated shoulder press and now you're doing decline dumbbell press and suddenly your shoulders are already knackered from the shoulder pressing now you've put yourself at risk by doing the dumbbell pressing second maybe that way round round works really well for you so when it comes to exercise selection these are the considerations we're going through i cannot sit here and tell you what are going to be the right ways to do it for you but as always i hope that going through some of the things i've spoken about has just sparked some thoughts just actually if all i've done today is make you think more clearly why am i choosing these movements Write them down. Pull your training plan apart. Look for ways you can make it more optimal, safer, that you can progress things more and you'll make more progress. So, my guys, team, that is it for today. I hope that's been useful. As always, tag me in your socials as you've been doing. Um, And if you found this useful, well, thank you. Um, A five-star review is one of the best ways you can let me know and we appreciate that massively. Also, maybe download and subscribe to the podcast. It obviously helps us reach more people, help more people down the line, which is uh, what this podcast is all about. But for now, my squad, over and out. Go and have the best day. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope that you feel motivated to start making changes in your life so you can see those results that you've been wanting to achieve. Remember, you can do anything you set your mind to. If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review and make sure you tell your friends. If you'd like to connect with Andy, you can find him on Instagram at Andy underscore Nailer underscore Pure underscore Elite underscore Pro. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Talk to you again soon.